Hi, this is Joanne Tan. I'm the founder and CEO of 10 Plus Brand Inc. We're introducing a podcast and a video blog series called What Does Your Brand Stand For? We will be interviewing notables and influencers. Welcome. This is Neil Schaefer. He is an authority uh, helping innovative businesses digitally transform in their sales and marketing. He's a founder of the digital marketing consultancy, PDCA Social. Neil also teaches at Rutger Business School and the Irish Management Institute. He's fluent in Japanese and Mandarin Chinese. Ah, ni hao. Ni hao. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Neil, <laughs> Neil is a popular keynote speaker and has spoken on four continents in more than a dozen countries. He's also the author of four sales and marketing books, including Maximize Your Social. And I have your book. Uh, I read that uh, several years ago. Uh, oh, thank you. On your autograph, yes. Uh, and recently published The uh, Age of Influence. And I just finished reading that book. It's very good, okay. A groundbreaking book, Redefining Digital Influence. Neil has a podcast called Maximize Your Social Influence. Uh, that offers marketing inspiration. Okay, so Neil, in a few sentences, could you describe what does, quote unquote, influencer marketing mean? Influencer marketing is simply tapping into the influence that other people have to try to help promote your company, product, service, or personal brand. So the reason why it becomes more important over time before the internet, these were only done through celebrity endorsements that were very expensive for TV ads and what have you today. We've seen the democratization of influence and more and more people have more and more influence thanks to social media and the great content that these influencers have created. So really it's about, you know, when we speak about influencer marketing today, it's more digital. And I would say a lot of it is focused on social media of really leveraging other social media users to help talk about our company. Uh, not limited to social media, this can be done over a blog, it could be done on a YouTube video, and obviously it could be done on a podcast as well. Okay, so leveraging the digital uh, media. Now, my next question is um, twofold. So first is that in your book, you said that uh, Donald Trump was an influencer before becoming the president of the United States. Lots of people would agree with you, okay? But there are other people who view him, the, uh, the Twitter in chief, a uh, negative um, trait for manipulating the mass and the politics with social media. And we'd rather call him a demagogue instead of an influencer. <laughs> without getting into the politics, okay? What is your view on the nature of social media and the audience of social media and the types of influence and influencers on social media? And another question is, is the definition of influencer diluted with democratization of influencing power? So to answer your first question, um, when you yield influence, people hear you and people listen to you. So I think Donald Trump got the first part right. People can hear him. <laughs> um, half, the half the country is listening to him, half is not. 
but you know, I was just on another podcast interview just before this. And, you know, part of building influence is being known. You can't have influence without being known. What makes you have more influence is when you're both known and you're trusted. Yes. So that's where not all of us trust um, our, our current president. Uh, to answer your second question, I don't know if that, you know, if you have a follow-up question, please let me know. But to answer your second question, the democratization of influence just means that we are influenced by uh, more and more people and more and more people that we engage with digitally and in social media. So I don't think it's diluted that power of influence. I think it just means that who influences us is very different than it was 10 or 20 years ago. And I think it might in some ways become easier to be influenced by people that you've never met uh, compared to once again, 10 or 20 years ago, you are looking for a tutorial. You go onto YouTube, you find a great tutorial about let's say Google analytics. You, you think it's so great. It's so helpful. You, you see another two or three videos from the same producer. And then you're like, well, what does this person do? You go to their website. They have a $99 a month community that teaches you best practices in Google analytics. Like, oh, this is perfect. You subscribe, right? That's, that was purely done digitally. This would have been impossible without the internet, impossible without YouTube, right? So that's just an example. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that because YouTube is there, influence because of its democratization is any less. It does mean that there's more competition out there. Mm -hmm. If everybody can be an influencer, everybody can compete for your influence, right? So um, that, that's a whole other story. But I think for most people listening, it's more of, well, how do I leverage my brand to really build that influence? And I think that's a great example of, of, of how it can be done. Great answers. Okay, in the hierarchy of all types of social media marketing, where does influencer marketing stand? So I believe that if you're a person, it's one thing, but if you're a company or a brand, mm -hmm. then I believe that influencer marketing replaces your organic social media marketing. And I say this because or the reach of posts organically for business profiles in social media is very low and it's only getting lower. And I believe, and I've been talking a lot about this and I'm preparing my next book, which I hope you'll read as well mm -hmm. uh, when it's out, really about the importance of digging deeper into the relationships you have with people mm -hmm. and the value that they can bring. And that's where influencer marketing comes. Because if you look at social media, not as a way to self-promote, but as a way to develop relationships, then from those relationships, you get word of mouth, you get content, you get collaboration. And that I think is where the greatest ROI, marketing ROI, business ROI is gonna be. So if you're a company that's still spending a lot of money creating social media content that only lasts for a few hours, you're not seeing the ROI because the reach of your content just gets less and less and less over time. And you're spending more and more on ads in order to be heard in social media. And by the way, we trust ads less and less. And we know that. Um, it's time to switch gears and consider just a completely different approach to social media marketing that, that the age of influence sort of, sort of hints at. Um, but I've been talking a lot more about that on my own podcast and elsewhere of really looking at social media as a marketplace of collaboration, a marketplace to meet your target customer, your target partner, um, your, your present customers, your present fans, right? And find mutual ways to collaborate with them for distinct business value. 
Mm-hmm. I totally agree on that. And I personally can vouch for the value of leveraging social media. But you mentioned the word, uh, organic, no, yes, organic. No, did organic. you say organic? Yes. I said organic, yeah. Well, what does that mean? Is that? Organic means free. Organic is just when you publish something on social media, that's considered organic. When you boost it or when you uh, publish an ad in social media, that's called paid. So in social media marketing, we often say organic social or paid social, organic being the natural, just mm. you posting something. Um, so yeah, we, we didn't use to have that word until there was more and more people advertising on social media, in which case we called it paid social. I believe in in 2013, when I published Maximize Your Social, we I, I talked about this term paid social, but now over the last few years, we now begin to talk about organic social. So now with paid social, we often talk about, they call it performance marketing. You're paying for performance, you're paying money, so that you get clicks or whatever you want. And then you sort of juxtapose that with organic where you're not paying for anything. It's just natural. Um, and, and the benefits, if you're just trying to measure a number of clicks and things are, are very few compared to this paid social performance marketing. Right. So organic can consist of original, the, the blog post that, you know, written by yourself yes. as versus repurposed a curated free articles out in the internet world. So organic is anything you publish on your profile that you don't, you don't pay money to advertise. You don't, you don't boost. So it can be a blog post. It can be, you know, I think it's unique to social media because you don't, you do pay-per-click ads in Google, but you don't, you can't promote blog posts in a feed in Google. It's, it it just doesn't work that way. We were talking about uh, the difference between paid and not paid on social media, the, the promotion of, of content. To put, it, to put it in really easy to understand terms, I think if any, how one has a business here and they have a Facebook business page, they understand that they might have a thousand fans, but when they publish something to those thousand fans, it is only seen by maybe 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. This is what we call a declining organic reach, but we can spend $5, $10 and boost that post so that it's seen instead of by 50 people, by 100 people, by 150 people. So organic really means what can you achieve in social media without paying any money to boost it or or advertise the content? So the the organic content itself, I'm really glad you brought up, can it include original content or other people's content? So yes, your organic content, let's say that um, someone takes a picture holding my book, The Age of Influence. I might post that their content, I might repost it on my Instagram. It's still organic content because I'm not paying to promote it. So you can leverage what we call user-generated content as part of your organic content. And this is one way in which a lot of smart brands are leveraging influencers is when influencers talk about their, their product, they'll post that instead of posting their own promotional content. That's a very savvy way of looking at social media, I believe the rippling effects of leveraging, snowballing, uh, and magnifying, and multiplying. Yeah, and then you don't have to create your own content. People are creating it for you, right? right. So it's a, it's a great, it's a win-win-win. Right, right, right. Okay, so next question is, how can influencer marketing help B2B services, such as accounting firms, law firms, business consultants, executive coaches, and M&A specialists? Yeah, it's really the same concept. Now, you know, the whole idea about influencer marketing is that there are people in your industry 
that have a community that listens to them, that likes, knows, and trusts them. And you want to somehow tap into that. So if you're an accountant, well, who, you know, what does your community look like and who has influence in that community? So, you know, a common thing that I see in professional services is that there's an ecosystem. If you're an accountant, where do you get your leads today? Right. And often that might come from financial advisors. It might come from lawyers. It might come from bankers. These are what in professional services we often call centers of influence. Right. Mm -hmm. So these are uh, people that, first of all, who are the people online that have a bigger influence, right? In, in our community or in those industries, what are they talking about? How might we be able to collaborate with them? And I think for your own industry, it's also understanding that people are looking for information as well. And hey, you know, I'm an accountant. Did do you understand how the CARES Act might affect your taxes in, in 2021? You know, that could be a blog post or something they put on LinkedIn and if they're, if they're connected to the right people, that right there is a way of potentially, you know, uh, you know, attracting people from a B2B marketing, but Hey, you know, uh, I asked 10, uh, the top 10 financial advisors in Irvine, California, where you should invest your money in 2021. And that is a great example of influence marketing in B2B. We often, we, we tap into, um, content and intelligence, right? And uh, in, in information. So we're not posting, you know, a selfie holding a, a you know, a, a sunglass that we just bought at Nordstrom's for $25. Um, we're dangling information that helps people decide whether or not they want to do business with us. And when we collaborate with influencers and in creating that information, or it could be a podcast. I mean, this is a great example. Podcasts are a prime example of influencer marketing because a lot of podcast hosts are tapping into the influence of others to not only share their information with, with, with the podcaster's audience, but also because they were able to invite that influencer on their show, they seem more credible, they seem more influential. And when influencers are part of your content, they often will share that content with their community because they're proud of their work. So that's a great way, you know, like I said, whether it is a LinkedIn blog post or, or, or a website post or YouTube video of bringing together these influencers in your community and creating content together, knowing that maybe not all 10 of that will share that content with their network, but maybe five will, maybe three will. And now you're tapping into the audiences of communities that, that influencers have, and that really gets to the heart of influencer marketing. Mm -hmm. So it's leveraging collaborative and cooperative teamwork, community power, yes. Yes. So, yes, so without a big budget, how can influencer marketing help small businesses, startups, uh, you know, mama, papa? Yeah, so I think it, you know, it, it's the same question can be said was how does social media marketing help? How does digital marketing help, right? It really starts with your objective. And yes, I know you want more customers, you want more sales, but you know, what, what, what do you, what specifically are you trying to do? Are you trying to bring people in the door, which might be hard to do with coronavirus, but are you trying to get more leads on your website? Whatever it is, we can then construct a model that says, okay, if we can have influencers talk about us or bring people our way, then that's going to help us reach our objective. And often, uh, you know, that's where if, if you operate from a website, that's where blog content comes into play. 
of inviting influencers to be part of your content, to do a roundup post in hopes that some of them share that content with their community. And obviously social media becomes an extension of that. But I think when we talk about influencer marketing, most people tend to gravitate just towards social media, but the same concept can help with our website. Um, for B2C sites, something very interesting, we talked a little bit about user-generated content. So if you have people that are using your product that talk about you, you have testimonials you can use on your website and social media, but you also have content that you might be able to use in your social media, you might be able to use on your website. We're finding that this type of fan or user-generated content, when it's included on your website, in your shopping cart, you know, of people actually using your product, that it helps, it helps you convert greater for your e-commerce store or whatever it is. So it's really thinking about different ways of, of collaboration and really start out with your fans, your customers. If you have a social media account, who's following you? Who are your customers? Who's in your email database? Are they on social media? And really starting small and saying, hey, the next time you know, use our product, make sure to take a picture, tag us on social media, and we'll send you a coupon code worth $10. And now you've just bought some content for $10 that you can use and really try to incite word of mouth with. Yes. Um, now, speaking of content, there's just so much content out there. You know, some blogs, some articles written by others are very good quality, okay? So just for repurposing, reusing curated content, how often should people post on social media platforms uh, those quality content? Once a day, seven days a week? So in an ideal world, in an ideal world, you wouldn't have to publish your own content. You'd be publishing content of your customers raving about you. And if there's enough customers raving about you, hopefully you're able to publish every day, right? So ideally once a day, seven days a week, I'd say some platforms like LinkedIn, I think five days a week are okay. I don't think as many people are active on weekends, but it may be, you might get more noticed on weekends because there aren't as many people publishing content. So there's different ways of looking at this, right? I mean, I would say five days a week, therefore, you know, weekdays, maybe with Facebook, Instagram, um, you mix in Saturdays and Sundays and a few weekdays, but you know, five to seven days a week, once a day is enough in all honesty, it's easy to go overboard. I think on Instagram, most people don't even publish once a day. So if you can publish, I don't even publish once a day on Instagram. So if you can do that, awesome. I think once a day on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter becomes a lot easier. If there's any platform you want to publish more frequently on, it would be Twitter, but, um, the algorithm doesn't penalize you. It, it tends to help, but just once a day is plenty. And like I said, start with start with fan content, then your own content. And when you don't have enough of your own content, that's where I think you want to use curated content, right? Uh -huh. If you have your own content that you can, if, if you publish a blog post every day, you can talk about it, awesome. But most small businesses starting out have no content and that's fine. Start with curated content that your end audience would be interested in. By the way, Publishing curated content is often the first step in engaging with influencers because you're sharing their content. You're tagging them, hopefully. You're letting them know how much you love their content. And over time, people notice, right? Um, so curated content is, is the easiest way. It's free. It helps spark the relationship and it gives your community something to look at. It, it helps you show up online when you don't have anything else to say. Wonderful. Okay. Now, next question is, uh, 
Could you give us some specific examples of how AI is playing a role in identifying the right influencers, uh, the fake profiles, disengaged audiences, or whatever else? Yeah, so I think for those that are big in technology, you know, when you talk about AI, mm -hmm. you know, another term comes to mind, which is machine learning, right? So you have artificial intelligence, but really artificial intelligence is really about machine learning. And at the end of the day, you're giving the machine instructions on what to learn and what to do after they learn it. So, you know, I'm one of the people that believes that, yes, I, I have kid, I have, you know, a 15 year old, and 13 year old. So it's like, oh, you got to study AI. Yes, you need to study AI, but you also need to understand how to manage AI from a human perspective, because at the end of the day, someone has to give that AI instructions, right? Someone has to has to instruct on how to feed its database and what to do with that information. So when we begin thinking about you know how AI affects anything, I begin with the concept of machine learning. And I begin with the concept. Okay, okay, you're going to teach the machine an algorithm. What does that look like? So I say this because when you look at, and I think Instagram is where there's a lot of fakeness, we all know. Mm -hmm. So what would a fake profile look like? Okay, well, if this profile is, has 100 followers, but is following more than 2000 people, um, they may not be an influencer. So you begin to construct rules. Okay, if they're an influencer, they should have more followers than the people they follow. Or maybe they should have twice as many. So you begin to construct these rules that if you were going to manually audit profiles, it's like, okay, I do a hashtag search. There's a hundred people talking about, you know, whatever it is that, that we want to uh, target a community on. Now I'm going to go in and say, okay, of these hundred, how many people have more followers than people they're following? That's one rule that we're going to instruct the AI. Another rule might be, well, if they only have 50 followers, they're probably not that influential. So let's set a minimum threshold of a thousand followers. So these are the beginning ones, right? Where it gets really complex is, okay, well, um, you know, now I see they have 10,000 followers and I go into their profile photos and I notice that, you know, today's photo had a thousand likes and yesterday's photo had 900 likes, but then just every photo before that only had 50 likes. What's going on here? So that's another signal that it's not natural. Mm -hmm. how, did, how did the likes, so, so now we have another rule that says, okay, let's look at a moving average of the average number of likes over the last nine days. And when, the, when a current image gets more than twice the average of the last nine days, let's flag it. And let's try to understand why that happened. They could have gone viral or it could be a sign that, that they're fake. So you begin to logistically or you know, logically look for patterns that you might be able to find out that someone's fake. Another might be, why is this person getting comments from 30, 40, 50 people, but none of them follow that account? That is a surefire sign that it's a pod or are the comments they're getting from the same people over and over and over again. These are now, you know, this is all data analytics, but we can now program an AI engine with machine learning to be able to decipher and tell us, okay, of these 50 people, of these 50 profiles, we did all these analysis and five seconds later, these five are probably the most authentic and these 45 are probably that that's where I think, you know, I see AI as a godsend because it's going to allow people to do more strategic thinking. It's going to allow the AI to do the grunt work 
and to give us the answers that then we can invest more time into relationships and strategy and, and execution. So when you look at it that way, I mean, because this is all data, then you get into the visuals, right? And there's, there's you know, uh, AI also has ways of recognizing things. Just like we recognize the data, we can recognize things visually. Mm-hmm. Why did this post, you know, when, an, when a, uh, a lot of people that publish photos don't necessarily put hashtags that are relevant to the photo. Mm-hmm. So maybe people are resonating with the photo because they're always on the beach, but they don't put like hashtag beach in every photo. So the visual recognition, when you add that sort of engine into an AI, it becomes even more powerful. So you want to promote the fact that you have the best, you know, ice cream and you want to target people that have pictures of ice cream. Well, if you're only looking at the data, you're hoping that they use hashtag ice cream. A lot of times they aren't. That's where you want the visual recognition. You're teaching the AI engine, what does ice cream look like, right? And this is where you have visual recognition AI, like from Amazon, that already has a database of what these common things look like. Then you may need to teach it what your logo looks like, right? So you add to that library, and then you begin to see visual mentions of your brand where people didn't use a hashtag, they didn't tag you, but you're showing up in the photo. So all of this gives us more power to understand more what's going on and whether, whether it's fake followers or why are people resonating with certain images, what sort of imagery do people have, have get more engagement on? Where is my brand being mentioned visually without me knowing it? Or the target audience publishing content visually about something important to my brand? That's where you know AI combined with all these different tools will give you greater insight. That's going to help businesses perform a lot better uh, with their marketing as well as with their influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. Hope that all made sense. I don't know how technical your your audience it's, is. But. Oh yes, I actually uh, both philosoph- philosophically and, and practically, I embrace AI with human intelligence. I believe the artificial intelligence and human intelligence must work hand in hand together because we train AI. What exactly. kind of information we feed AI? The criteria of judging and picking and selecting information, and then we we guide AI to refine our approaches, you know? And uh, I subscribe to an AI software for content marketing, for selecting from billions of pieces of content, what's relevant to my brand and to my mm-hmm. client's brand and the elements. And then we illustrate a different aspect of a brand with curated content, we I selected, but human intelligence must be involved at all time in, in choosing what are the finalists every, every week. and giving it a summary, a customized human intelligence-based summary and hashtags customized to that particular blog. And, and so we are like left and right hand of each other, but I'm so glad uh, there's AI that is doing yes. so much, uh, the mundane and uh, volume-oriented work that we cannot possibly handle on our own. And I think in, in content marketing, and I use AI tools for content marketing as well, because same thing, I wanted to write a blog post and I wanna make sure that I hit on all the important topics that if someone was searching for that keyword, they would wanna learn about. So I can open up a tab with the top 20 search results. I look at their H2 headings. What are the, what are the topics that they're talking about? I begin to compile a list of all the important ones and then I start to blog or I can use an AI tool. I put in the keyword and then boom, it already tells me the most important things that I should talk about if I, if I want to increase the chances that I get ranked in Google. So yes, um, it, it all starts with 
the non-AI approach, what would you do rationally and logically, but then, oh my gosh, AI can save me more time and the results are going to be more accurate and they can tap into things like the Google knowledge graph um, or, you know, IBM Watson or all these different AI engines and, and algorithms out there. So, uh, you know, I, I agree hundred percent. AI is a godsend and people, I, I don't think that enough people talk about this human approach that you must have mm -hmm. to be successful. And the fact that, you know, a lot of marketers just go to the tools without understanding the process. Mm -hmm. the, you know, you could use that tool. Like you said, you need to be able to vet everything. You could use that tool and create a great blog post and talk about things that might serve Google, but they don't serve your business because you don't sell that product or service, right? Or it's not relevant or it doesn't, it, it showcases a disadvantage of your product when you talk about that. So yes, you always need to have that human filter, that, that critical thinking is more important than ever. So you know, my kids, the schools are all pushing them towards STEM education. I went to liberal arts college. So I sort of pushed my kids toward the liberal arts side that says, hey, at the end of the day, we need critical thinkers and to make this work. And creative <laughs> thinkers, creative. Yes. Creative yeah. critical thinkers, yes. So there are too many very intelligent people and uh, young people who want to game, quote unquote, Google, okay? So they know the keywords they they from Google keyword search and all that. So their articles are so dry. You can tell yeah. right away, this is this is totally tailored for Google ranking. Uh, yep. Well, they may have a higher ranking for a while, but what's the point? I mean, when you write about something, you have to feel passionate about it. There's there's emotional elements. Like there's the art of storytelling, not just the science of Google algorithm, the art of storytelling, you know, and and, and compassionately showing your humanity, you know, and that leads to the next question, okay? And I, I just want to make one comment about it. I find this a lot. So I'm obviously trying to dominate keywords related to influencer marketing. So I'll, I'll look into, so let's say I want to target like influencer marketing ROI, right? And I write a blog post. So I'm sort of looking at what shows up on top. What are the topics? So I see all these blog posts. They start with what is influencer marketing? Who is an influencer? And they're probably using these tools, right? To include that information. But I'm thinking, I already know what that is. I want to get to what's the ROI. How do I measure it? Right? And so I'm, I'm thinking that these articles over time are not going to rank. And I challenged one of these AI content marketing tools saying, sometimes I find inaccurate information. I'll find a top 10 ranking where they're talking about Google Plus, right? They're talking about things from the past. And if I follow that formula, I'm setting myself up for failure. I'd rather, so that, that's where the, the human critical thinking is so important in all of this. Yes, and creativity, okay. And creativity, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, critical thinking and creativity. This is, this is God said, only we humans can, can master this. The, no sure. machines can do that. But even though, well, arguably, AI has written poetry, you know, for children and whatever. I don't know. Uh, you just threw a bunch of words in there and they just created poetry. Uh, that's another topic. That's another topic, yes. <laughs> okay. So the next question is related. So there seems to be a gaming mentality, especially on the part of young people, for using digital media to create demand generation leads and for using their clan of connection uh, friends and you know to to post likes and comments and they're like hey you scratch my back i scratch yours every time i post something you immediately like and comment and share okay in order to promote promote their post which effect does this kind of behavior have on people's trust of influencer marketing so we call those i sort of hinted at it before those are called like pods 
And they became very popular on Instagram where, hey, you know, we all blog about travel photography, let's create a group. And then every time, you know, I post a photo, you like it, comment, and then I'll do the same with you. And uh, it became very prevalent because it was a very effective way of gaming the algorithm, right? So you see it, I've, I've seen LinkedIn pods recently. I've been invited to LinkedIn pods and it's, <clears throat> not only is it artificial, but I think that yes, okay, if I join a LinkedIn pod, every time I publish a post, I can get more clicks, I can get more engagement. But also, I think that it's only a matter of time before the algorithms and the social networks catch up to that. But more importantly, is that a good use of my time, right? I, I should be working on my, uh, uh, on my business, not in my business. Mm -hmm. And I find too many people trying to get too technical instead of focusing on the content, focusing on the relationships. Because I think if you focus on the relationships, who are the other people in their pod? What business do they do? How might we be, how might we be able to collaborate? Liking each other's posts is not that deep of a collaboration. What else might we be able to do? Because that notion of collaboration does exist. I'll give you a great example. You know, I write a lot of blog posts on neilschafer.com. I write a lot of posts on different tools, companies. So I have one blog post called, you know, top influencer marketing tools. And I have a list of agencies and I only list 10 agencies. So there's all these agencies that reach out to me. Can you include me on that list? I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't know you. What's in it for me? Why would I want to do that? And then one of them reached out to me and we were uh, basically emailing memes back and forth, like, like jiffies, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it was quite funny because I was like, well, you know, what are you going to do for me? And, and why should I do this and all this stuff? And then they said, hey, you know, just to let you know, I'm good friends with so-and-so. And she speaks highly about you. And I'm like, well, why didn't you mention if you're any friend of hers is a friend of mine and it completely changed the conversation. So business is about relationships, right? It's about like, know, and trust. And when you collaborate in ways where, where you leverage that and you get to know people, you know, I'll give you another example. There's a lot of, in the world of SEO, of people that share links. I'll have companies reach out to me, Neil, you know, um, if you can include my blog post or if you could include my company in your list, I'll be more than happy to link to one of your blog posts from one of my blog posts. Google doesn't like it. I'll be straight and clear. But in reality, when I write blog posts and I link to outside sources, I tend to link to blogs of my friends. I tend to link to places that also link back. It, it is a natural occurrence that there's a lot of mutual backlinks. So that opens up amazing opportunities, as you can imagine. And I have seen just over the last few months, I've been really trying to leverage this notion. I call it influencer marketing for SEO. And I have a podcast episode about this. Um, I've found it to be extremely effective. I've already seen my rankings go up. I've already seen traffic go up. So that is a more, it, you, you know, we're not trying to game the system per se. We're not doing these artificial pods, but people link to other things to give a resource to readers that want to find out more about a subject. So to me, that, that is a more natural organic way. That is a better way of investing time in relationships that build much greater value than just getting a LinkedIn post or making sure that my next post gets more impressions in social media. Um, it's temporary. It's, it's, just, it's just the wrong way to invest time in my opinion. So hopefully that made sense. Absolutely, because that actually summarizes what we just discussed. Social media, influencer marketing, digital marketing are all tools to advance the fundamentals that are never changing. That's trust, relationship, and genuine like, and, and then you, of course, you will share. It's community building, you know, uh, and support each other. 
。OK， 对对对对对。嗨嗨，嗨嗨。All right, now since COVID, there is an inundation of posts by aspiring influencers all over social media, especially on LinkedIn. What's the effect of this on influencer marketing? You know, we with every new technology or trend, blockchain, AI, big data, digital transformation—that's the newest one in Japan. Everyone talks about DX now, and I'm like, "Well, where were you in 2019 talking about DX?"、Um, and you know, Google Plus, TikTok, Instagram—you know, everybody tries to capitalize so that they seem like they're the expert and they think it opens up opportunities for them. And some people, it it honestly does. So. I think that you know I, I'm a fan, as I just hinted and as we discussed, of of the tried and tested. So when I see people talk about you got to be on TikTok, TikTok for you know I'll never forget one guy who's an author. I'm not going to say his name. He was talking about Snapchat for B2B marketing, and I'm like, what's this guy smoking, right?、Um, you know, you have LinkedIn like sitting right in front of you. This amazing place for B two B, which ninety nine percent of people in business have not tapped, probably ten to twenty percent of the potential of. So you know, marketers are always looking at the shiny new thing, and I say, let them look at the shiny new thing. I'm going to try it. I know where my market is, and I know there's so much more I can do there to develop business. Why focus on something new where there's an element of risk inherently involved? When there's so much you can be doing, and I'll take that even one step further as I work on my new book. Why spin your wheels in social media algorithms when you don't even have any content for your blog and you're not getting any traffic from Google? So you know, start, I, I, my rule of thumb is start with the search, move on to the email. The social is only when you have those other two pieces in place because without it, you can't further deep you can't further deepen relationships that are actually going to lead to business for your company. Right. Well. I my approach is similar to yours from a branding expert point of view. It's like don't even think about spending your time and money on paid advertising on social media, not paid advertising, paid、uh, promotion, the organic or non-organic,、uh, and all that、uh, gaming, SEO, PPC. Don't worry about it. First of all, build a brand. What does your brand stand for? You know what are the fundamental principles, the values, and how do you, how well do you understand your target audience, and who are your competitors? What's your unique value proposition? Build that first, and then you focus on target audience, and don't serve the whole world. Just focused group whose pain points align with your unique value propositions the best. Okay, and that leads to the last question. You Amen. Know, I, I can go on and on. So. You, Next time, <laughs> Next time. I, I have so many questions. Anyway, so last question is:、uh, I ask this、uh, everybody on my podcast. Okay, from a branding point of view, what does your brand, Neil Schaefer? What does your brand stand for? So this is, in all honesty, the first time I've gotten asked this question, and, and it was a really good. It's a good exercise to make me think about what are you know. I I like when I'm not a branding expert. That's not what I do, but. When I do talk about it, I say, "Okay, what are some keywords or some adjectives or nouns that might describe you, or that you want to be described? You want people to say about you, right?"、Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm going to say, you know, I, I'm hoping that you know part of my branding is expertise,、um, insightful, actionable. But at the end of the day, 
trusted, a trusted entity um, in a world where there aren't a lot of trusted entities on, on these types of subjects. So I know that's not your typical sort of branding, but um, you know, uh, expert, insight, innovative, um, as something that I want to be branded for, I've added that to my bio. I work with innovative companies because I feel like I bring innovative ideas and therefore I want to be thought of as being innovative as a brand. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that I would say, um, you know, expertise, insight, innovation, uh, but most of all, just, you know, trust and credibility. Okay. You just did half of it. The other half is in the language that sounds like music to the ears of your target audience, of those who you serve. So the value, your in, in innovation, your expertise, your trusted trustworthiness is you translate that to the value of those you serve. So I think if anything, it's, I'll just say it, you know, we, there's a term you, you break through the speed barrier, uh -huh. you break through it. So you're breaking through the digital media barrier or the marketing barrier. You're, you're not tapping into the full potential of what's around you or you're stuck and I help you get unstuck and I make sure you stay there by, by shifting mindset. So yeah, like I said, I'm not the branding expert and you know, I, I find over time and I think a lot of people will attest to this, you know, people do business because of not my company name, but because of me and how they've gotten to know me through my words and my social media and what have you, and my voice and my podcast. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm me. Um, and I think that's the ultimate brand that people can have. It's just themselves. Yes. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's the business value of really helping them reset their mindset and break through a barrier that they think is probably uh, unachievable. Yes. So maybe we can summarize it like, an innovative and trusted voice for helping businesses break through social media barrier or digital marketing barrier. Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's, that's why you're the expert. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Uh, to be continued. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen back to this and take notes on that and, and use that. So thank you. <laughs> okay, great. I'll, thank you so much. It's my honor and privilege. And looking forward to your new book. And from now on, you just reminded me to uh, have external link to your, uh, when I write my blogs, to relevant articles that you already published. And they're very solid, very substantive, you know, full of advice. Very, very helpful to a lot of, uh, of my clients. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Happy holidays and 2021. <laughs> I hope it's going to be a better year, I'm sure. Can't get any worse. I know. It is. Yeah. Tough time, but also, you know, the Chinese, Weiji, yep. opportunity, it can consist of two words, danger and An opportunity. opportunity. Yes. So true. It's great opportunity for digital media, for digital marketing, for social media, for influencer marketing. And uh, you are contributing to the, to the advancement of humanity in that regard. Well, then that's, that's my hope. So thank you for, for saying that. I really appreciate that. Yes, yes, absolutely. So to be continued and uh, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. I hope you have learned a lot from this. You can see the video on my YouTube channel, 10 Plus Brand, or podcast, 10 Plus Brand, or visit our website, www.10plusbrand.com. That's 10 plus
brand.com. If any questions, call us at 1-888-288-4533. See you next time.